It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. We are streaming live on YouTube as well as Zoom, not to mention every podcast platform out there. So um, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's Spotify or iHeartRadio, Pandora, um, Apple Play, I mean, we're, we're trying to cover all the bases here. So welcome. And this is a podcast all about franchising, everything you need to know about buying a franchise, how to sell a franchise, best practices in franchising, even how to turn your business into a franchise. But today I have my favorite guest, which is somebody I had on before. And so I had to have her back because it was the most interesting conversation. Alicia Miller is with us today. She's the co-founder and managing director of the Catalyst Insight Group. It's a a boutique strategy advisory firm that focuses on franchising. What that means is they help multi-million dollar investment companies find franchises to invest their money because franchising is a great investment. We're going to talk about that on this podcast. She currently serves on the board of the International Franchise Association's Certificate Program, CFE. That's the CFE that you see after my name, Certified Franchise Executive. And she writes a monthly column, which is a really great column in a really great magazine called Franchise Times. And it's all about franchising best practices. Alicia, welcome back to the Franchise Academy. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's great to be back. This is so great. I'm so happy that you cut out the time for us. Just so people know what you do, give us a quick snapshot of the Catalyst Insight Group. What are you guys doing exactly? Sure. We help franchisors that want to grow, have hit some sort of inflection point and need to reevaluate with like an outside perspective on how they can take their business to the next level. And we work quite a lot with family offices and private equity firms who are investing in franchises. Uh, We do everything from due diligence to helping them find uh, great businesses to to get to know and uh, help them grow their platform and make uh, good decisions with their investments. That's really great. So are you also like a matchmaker between private equity firms and, and family equity firms and the franchisor? Is, is that kind of it? We don't help private equity firms find funding. That's a, that's a different specialty within private equity, but we do help them find founders and great brands that they need to know that fit into their investment thesis and where they're looking to take the business. I mean, look, it's a it's a big space. There are more than 4,000 brands. There are two or 300 new ones every single year uh, that get started. And some of these firms are also investing in non-franchise concepts that would that could be great franchises that could be turned into a franchise. So there's there's plenty of work to go around. And very often they will outsource to to experts like us. Um, our clients have more than 16 billion in assets under management, thousands of locations around the world. So, um, you know, they are steeped in franchising and have a lot of experience in franchising themselves, but it always helps to get a second opinion. And, you know, especially a firm like ours that has deep experience in franchising, both as investors and as in operators ourselves, 
um, and, and management consultants. So uh, that's the kind of work we do. It's really, it's unreal. Like, as I remember just being a franchise owner and I am, you know, making my smoothies and making sure my franchise is running, my employees are showing up, having no idea that there's an international franchise association in the background and people like you that are doing these grand things with franchises. So it's just, it's so cool and so and a little bit comforting as well that this is not just like a cottage industry. This is like huge. No, wow. this is mainstream. This is this is big stuff, right? There's three. There's 775,000 franchise units in the U.S. alone, employing 8.2 million people, according to the IFA. So this it's big business. It's a big ecosystem. There's a ton of support. There's a ton of expertise out there for every every niche thing you need to get done in a franchise. There are marketing experts. There are growth experts. There are legal experts. You just need to you know, line up the resources um, and make sure that you're dealing with somebody who's got, you know, deep experience in franchising as you continue to try to grow your business. The very first thing you should do if you uh, are thinking about franchising or our brand new franchise is, is join the International Franchise Association, go to franchise.org. Um, the wealth of information there will blow your mind. You will spend days on that site. Um, just so much good stuff. So check that out, please. Franchise.org, International Franchise Association. We refer to it as the IFA um, among us veterans in franchising. <laughs> so um, if you had not listened to Alicia's first podcast with me a few months ago, please go back, listen to that one as well. Just so much information. One thing that we mentioned that I wanted to talk a little bit more about, uh, you said in passing, um, family businesses or, or family investment firms. Um, I'm not sure what the proper phrase is. Can you help me and, and explain? Family, of, family office. Family office. So what does that mean? So family office is still private equity. Okay. They're just, they're a different type of, of family equity. So private equity is private investment, but sometimes there is institutional money right, as well. Family office is family money that they are now holding and, and, and reinvesting in other businesses. So um, really the main difference is that a family office um, tends to have a longer hold time than private equity. So private equity usually is looking to grow a business and sell it upstream to another buyer who's bigger um, in three to eight years five being the average. Family offices often take a longer term view and maybe in a, a brand for for decades. So, you know, uh, I think it's important that if you are thinking of bringing on a private equity partner, you think very hard about what your own goals and objectives are and what kind of partner you want to work with. Both can be both can be great. Um, both have can be very steeped in franchising, but may have very different objectives themselves. So before you take your objectives and marry them to their objectives, you've got to really understand what they're looking to accomplish. Right, that's a great point. Uh, so what you're essentially saying then, if if I have this franchise and and it's going well, and I'm going to bring in some private equity money, if I want to kind of cash out, let's call it. In five years, I would be better off with a traditional PE firm as opposed to a family firm because they may want to hang on to this thing for a while before 
cashing out. Yeah, if you're going to try to roll some equity forward to grow it, then there has to be some sort of liquidity invent on the back end for you to get the rest of your money out, right? So understanding your objectives uh, in that are very important. Now, you may have, you know, your role may be small enough that you're okay with them holding it for 10 or 15 years. Um, but having that candid conversation is really important to do up front. You know, the other thing is most private equity firms are not themselves looking to come in and take on any kind of operating role in the business. They tend to back strong management teams. And so if a founder is looking to exit, that's fine. They can roll their some of their equity forward or not. That's up to them. But um, if they're going to exit, that means they've got to have a strong team in place. Otherwise, the private equity firm, first thing they're going to have to do is, is find somebody to run the company. They may choose to do that anyway at some point. They may make management changes, but you've got more value in the business if you can show that you've got a, a really strong management team that wants to stay and is doing a good job and needs some support. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, I. So what are the advantages? Like if I'm just a regular guy and I'm, a, and I'm investigating franchises right now and I'm looking at one that is still privately held by the founder and now yeah. there's another one I really love, but there's a lot of uh, private equity money involved with the franchise. How should I think about that? Well, uh, it may be that they never sell. Yeah, there are still some quite large franchise brands that are held by second, third, or more generations of um, family. So there, there are cases where that is true. Um, an, a good example in my town, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, is White Castle. That is still held by the founding family. And I think his granddaughter now runs the company. Um, but I think it's more likely that if you, the firm you are becoming, if you're becoming a franchisee of a franchise in a franchise brand, odds are pretty strong that if they're not already owned or have some sort of relationship with private equity that they will at some point in your franchise relationship because you know, a typical license agreement is five years, 10 years, some 15 years. Um, that's a long time. And uh, what, it's just what is happening right now that brands are getting consolidated underneath private equity firms. So it's, it's a possibility, it shouldn't scare you. Um, you know, this is, um, private equity firms are looking to grow these businesses. This is not uh, this is not barbarians at the gate. I don't know if you've ever read that book about the RJR um, takeover, uh, you know, the go-go days of the LBOs. But that's not what's going on here. They're not coming coming in and cutting costs and completely replacing management teams. They are backing growth, and so they are investing to grow. They typically come in and invest in franchise development, marketing, the tech stack and operations support, right? So, because those are, that's what they're good at. These are, um, all they do all day long is buy businesses, grow them and sell them. So all of their investments are gonna be related to growth. And as a franchisee, that's uh, really important for you to consider. They're in most cases, um, a very positive outcome for franchisees. And one other thing to keep in mind, you know, Think about the investment from the PE firm's perspective. Um, not only do they want to make money, right? They, they want to have a successful return on their investment, have a successful exit at some point. Uh, they want to meaning, meaningfully grow the business and grow 
uh, EBITDA in the business, growth profitability. And they want strong reference accounts, right? So they want other founders to say nice things about them uh, so that other founders will consider partnering with them. And they for sure want to keep their reputation stellar amongst sort of the universe of franchisees and the franchise press and the business press and so on, because otherwise they will have difficulty finding new opportunities. And it's very competitive out there for great deals, great companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for their next fundraise, right? So if they if they're not successful at growing this business and selling it for a nice profit and showing that they've been able to grow the business, then why would someone give them more money in their next fund? So in order to do their next fundraise, um, they've got to be successful. They've got your interests and theirs are, are aligned and they're very protective of their stellar reputation. And so you will see, um, they only want to invest in outcomes that they can control. That's why a lot of private equity firms will not do minority deals because they want to make sure that the outcomes are ones they can control and that are good outcomes for their investors and for the franchisees. Cool. What do you mean by minority deals? Well, so you can, you know, if you've got a business, um, one of the, There are many founders who would like to have private equity partners, but are not willing to give up control. So more than 50% ownership in the company. So they say, yeah, I'd like to take some coins off the table. I'm only looking to sell a third of the company. Well, you know, there are a much smaller group of investors who are kind of willing to do that sort of deal because they don't have any control over the business, right? They've only got a third of the company. So sometimes you can put negative control rights and, and things in the deal where they've got a little bit more of a say, but most most private equity firms are really looking for control deals. Okay. So more than so, so it's the percentage of ownership of, of the overall business is what right. that reference was. Okay, that helps me. Thank you. Um, the way I look at it, though, as as I'm looking at franchises for my candidates, mm-hmm. is like when they have a PE firm, it's great for the candidate. It's great for the franchise because it enables them to have like just as an example, awesome technology, uh, customer-facing apps where most competitors can't do it because they just don't have the money. Um, and, and even when you're first buying the franchise, you're doing your investment, they're going to give you territory maps. It's not a guess. They've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in you know marketing data using companies like Buxton and, and all those kind of marketing companies so they know exactly what zip codes they want to be in and where in the zip code they want to be. That's what they use the kind of money for. Um, and it's the way I see it. Is that, is that a true statement, you think? Yeah. Um, so the private equity for sure has brought a level of business sophistication to franchises that emerging brands that maybe don't have, um, don't have that background. You know, a, a founder may have started a great business and, uh, run a great restaurant and and customers come in and say, hey, I, I love this restaurant. Are you a franchise? And they start thinking, oh, I could franchise this business. That doesn't mean they they understand the business of franchising, right? So once you be, decide to become a franchise, you are no longer, um, you know, running your restaurant or your food concept. You are running a franchise business, which is different. And so sometimes emerging brands can 
can get themselves into trouble or don't really have the investment they need to compete against um, more sophisticated players who've been in the market longer. It's great to be nimble. You know, it's great to have new ideas and have energy and an emerging concept, but just got to do your homework and make sure that they're really putting the pieces in place to be successful and that they truly have proven out their model. Love that. That's a great insight. You know, if you're looking for a franchise, I mean, that's where you want to go is to a sophisticated franchise company that has all the bells and whistles that you're going to need to be successful. Gives you leg up on the street, you know, when you're competing either with other franchise concepts or even the mom and pops that are out there. Um, yeah. And if I could interject, this is not to imply that big is always better. There are uh, a few, I can think of large franchise concepts that I would call sleepy and aren't really bringing best practices right now. And you can see it in their results. Their average unit volumes aren't going as up as much as they should. They're not adding franchisees as fast. And, um, you know, look, it's a competitive market for great franchisees as well. You know, if you are, um, if you've got the right amount of capital for a particular franchise that you're targeting, and you've got the right fit of skills for that franchise, um, they really need you in their business. And you can afford to be selective and picky and make sure that it's right fit for you. Um, there, are, there are brands out there that are kind of sitting back on their, on their laurels or past glories a little bit and um, could do with a dose of innovation and some fresh thinking. And sometimes you'll see when, you know, larger legacy brands uh, turn over and sell, that's often one, one of the underlying reasons um, is that they recognize that they need sort of fresh, fresh eyes on this thing. And an, a, a new buyer comes in and says, look, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I think I'm going to reinvigorate this business. And um, that can often be very positive for franchisees in those systems because, you know, having a fresh perspective and someone who's committed their money to go in and grow this thing uh, tends to be usually pretty positive for franchisees. Then it helps on the franchisees exit as well, because now you might have been in something that wasn't really uh, more than a regional brand, and now you're a national brand, perhaps, right? It can, but on exit, it really depends more on the unit level economics of your business. True. So it it uh, it's great if you're a national brand. That's certainly helpful, and having that brand recognition and a proven process and um, you know, lots and lots of support and so on is great. But when you're ready to exit, it comes down to how well is your business doing? Is it profitable? And who is your target buyer going to be? So if you've only got a single unit, you're either looking at someone who's going to take over from you and be another single unit owner, in which case um, the business has to be making enough money for it to be worth their while, uh, because that's probably going to be their, their job. Or if you're selling to a multi-unit consolidator, you know, is there a really uh, a good opportunity for that owner to make also make money, but their play is different, right? They're going to put a manager in charge of that unit and they're going to run it as part of their network. Either way, you've got to run a good business, clean books, uh, good profitability, good trends. You know, you never, you never want to try and sell a business when the trends are going the wrong direction. So. Oh, yeah. 
got to plan ahead a little bit. You shouldn't, you don't want to wake up one day and go, okay, it's time to sell. You need to think, okay, I'm going to be selling at this point in the future. And so therefore, here's all the things I need to prepare ahead of time um, to be ready for that transaction. It doesn't matter how big the business is. The story is the same. It's just the level of sophistication and what you've got to get done ahead of time goes up the bigger the business is. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Very good insight. And would a franchise company help with that? Like if, I, if I'm a franchisee, I'm in there seven years, I decide next year, a year out, I want to sell, go to the franchisor and talk to them about it, you think? Yeah, you. It, that's usually helpful, especially if you're in a business that's um, uh, pretty saturated. So they may be getting phone calls from people who want to buy that franchise, but it happens to be sold out in your area because you, it's already been successful and has already sold a bunch of units. So if you let the franchise know that, you know, look, I'm probably not going to be renewing my agreement. I'm going to be looking to transition out at some point, maybe next year. Um, they're going to find out about it anyway. So you're going to need their support because they've got to approve the next franchisee who comes in. Um, yeah. And they can do some matchmaking. They can send leads your way if you're, if you're ready to go. They may have um, third-party uh, valuation experts or, you know, other support that they can recommend to you. And, you know, before you even do that, another, uh, another group that you should probably talk to are franchisees around you or that are known to be acquirers in your system to see if they have any interest in your, in your units. Um, because, you know, look, they may be looking to expand and you might fit really nicely into that. Um, and that's a known entity. So that's probably going to be a smoother path of approval with your franchisor because they already are a proven operator in the system. As long as the uh, franchisor has approved them for growth, approved them to take on more units, then you know that can be a, a faster path sometimes. That's the point. I think um, a lot of people don't think about that part of it, and and it's true. And and you really need really good books you need to prove out that you're you know the business is doing well it's it's those sort of fire sales that annoy me anyway where somebody's losing revenue they're on a down you know on, on a decline and they're like but i want all this money for my business because i worked hard it doesn't matter how hard you worked if it's not if you're not <laughs> doing the right things right yeah so. Yeah, the, mark, the market's not going to make you whole because you've not grown a business successfully. Mm -hmm. So you've got to, it pays on a multiple of cash flow, basically, in most cases. And if there's real estate involved, that's a, that's a different animal. But, um, you know, in a leased location, uh, it's, it's a multiple of cash flow. So trends have got to be going the right direction. And, you know, it's got to be ready to transfer. If, if you're trying to do a transfer, and you've been in the unit for 15 years and it needs, you know, $15,000 worth of refresh to be up to brand standards, that's going to be factored into the purchase price somewhere. So it's that kind of stuff you've got to be aware of. It doesn't make it impossible. It just means, you know, plan ahead and, and be ready for it. Great. Good stuff. I didn't even think we would uh, cover that kind of topic. That's a great topic though. <laughs> Appreciate that. So Alicia, what trends are you seeing in uh, 20? 22 and i'm just trying to think today is may 3rd so i know can you believe it's may already i don't know I when know. that happened it's crazy it is crazy but, i'm not but ready. we are may 3rd 2022 recording this right now yeah um what are you seeing out there what's going on 
So I expect this year is going to continue to be very robust for uh, M&A activity, for sure. There's still really robust interest in franchising. There's, um, you know, very strong interest in good concepts with good management teams. So if people have been contemplating a transaction, you know, some firms maybe held off uh, a little bit because of the pandemic and wanted to kind of get through that first, make sure that their numbers were good and then show they were back on a growth path in order to maximize their value. Um, so those those companies are now coming to market because they're kind of ready to go. They feel ready, ready to go. So we're going to continue to see, um, I think, robust interest this year. There's still tons of dry powder sloshing around, uh, tons uh, even of private debt money that's been that's been raised. Um, so there's there's money to deploy. They have to deploy this capital. These private equity firms. Um, and interest rates are going up, which is going to make debt more expensive. And, you know, a certain amount of debt, a healthy amount of debt needs to be put on the business to improve returns. So that's a consideration. The more prices go up or the more inflation goes up, the more uh, debt is expensive. And therefore, you know, at some point valuations may come down. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a frenzy of deal making um, to be happening. Uh, the fact that that inflation is going up, I think is going to put additional pressure on business models that were uh, questionable in the first place. So there are franchise concepts out there that are underperforming for their franchisees compared to other options that are available. There are some terrific franchise options out there for all investment levels, all different skills and interests. You know, there are great options out there. And frankly, um, less than stellar options are sitting on the sidelines. They're not able to convert and get good franchisee interest because, you know, there's just other better options out there. So those firms, I think, are going to be under a lot of pressure this year. They can no longer... Um, they can no longer kind of pretend that the pressures are pandemic related because we've now come, you know, hopefully mostly out of that. Um, and, you know, if their model is under additional pressure because of inflation, they've got explaining to do, they've got reinvention to do. And this is the year they need to do it because the story's not going to get better next year. <laughs> they've got to do it now. Uh, so there's that. I would say this is also a really great year that if you are working in a franchisor, if you're on the corporate side and you're looking to make a change, you know, there's been a frenzy of acquisition activity over the last couple of years. And as I said, all these firms need to show they can grow the business. So they're, they are really leaning in and investing in great corporate talent, marketing, sales, technology, operations, field support, franchise development in particular. Um, if you're looking to make a change or maybe looking for promotional opportunities, this, this could be the year, put your toe in the water and, and see what's out there. Um, you know, this, this could be the year for you. Another point I didn't think that we would discuss in <laughs> franchise employees. That's pretty cool. Yep. Love that. What, um, what kind of, um, uh, Oh my God! You you were talking about um, I just blanked out. Having a senior moment. Um, <laughs> small, business <laughs> small business week. Um, were you talking about that? What did you want to say about small business week? 
<laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, one other thing, probably while I'm thinking of it, um, someone asked me the other day whether I think we'll see a slowdown in emerging brands entering the market. You know, we were getting two to 300 a year entering prior to the pandemic. And I, you know, some of those plans got put on hold uh, during the pandemic, but uh, I don't see signs of that really slowing down. I, I got to be honest, there's too, there's too many people enabling folks to get into franchising and to start, take their business and, you know, make it a franchise. Mm-hmm. And there's too much pull demand coming um, and the promise of, and the hope of having some sort of big uh, private equity sale event down the road. It's it's enticing, and um, there are a lot of really great firms in the middle that enable a a good concept to catch fire. So strong franchise development, strong marketing and PR support, um, back office support that's needed to help these brands. So an emerging brand that's got a strong concept and the right focus and and the right focus on franchisee profitability has plenty of hooks they can um, they can latch onto to help accelerate their brand. And so I think that we're going to continue to see a lot of emerging brands. And I'm very interested to see what Fran Data comes out with as they continue. They're the kind of research arm uh, of IFA that does most of the analysis on the market and comes up with numbers of units that are launched each year. So I'm very curious what they're going to say, but my suspicion is that it has not slowed down very much. Yeah. Yeah. Great firm too, Fran Data. Yeah. Uh, I quote them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alicia, I really appreciate you spending time with us here. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have uh, further questions? Sure. My, uh, our website is catalystinsightgroup.com and my email is amiller at catalystinsightgroup.com. I'm happy to help. And if I can't help, I'll point, point folks in the right direction. Yep. I know you will. Again, I appreciate it. Um, what parting advice do you have for the listeners? As same advice I always give, which is do your homework. This is an investment in yourself. And uh, if you want to start a business, you owe it to yourself to really run this to ground. You will feel so much more confident and better prepared if you really have the data behind you to to ensure that you are making the right choice for you. And uh, you will come out of the gate so much stronger if you take that time. Don't I know it's exciting to to start a business, and you know when you find a concept you think is a good fit, you know you feel like the winds in your sails and. It can be so exciting, but you got to slow down and um, and do and do the work. Um, and if you do the work, you'll have uh, hopefully a really great outcome, and you'll feel really confident out of the gate. And look, the f- the startup phase is one of the hardest parts. So that investment in your own peace of mind and your own confidence is well worth it. Great stage advice. So this is great. Um, just so much insight here. I appreciate it so much. All of Alicia's information, contact info will be on thefranchiseacademy.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you again on the other side. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Tom. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, 
and inspiration. 